0: Disclaimer, while we are both licensed mental health professionals in the state of Georgia, anything stated in today's show is not intended to be used as a therapeutic intervention or clinical recommendation. We are not providing therapy during our show. Rather, we're bringing the insight and experience of our professional lives to dig deep into topics that impact women across the board. If you are in need of a professional therapist, please seek one out in your community. If you're experiencing a psychiatric emergency, please dial 911 or go to your closest emergency room.
1: to sit crooked talk straight a podcast by real women for real women who are looking for real change let's get comfy and get honest about what our lives really look like and what it takes to really live them to their fullest no filters no bullshit no shame just real honest talk from real everyday women
0: Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Sit Crooked, Talk Straight. Katie Myers here with Leanne Jameson. and boy, do we have a show for you today. It is currently, at the time of our recording, National Infertility Awareness Week, and so we are going to unpack some of my personal story, but also just a reality that many women often don't share about. Um, Often they suffer in silence, and I find my own therapeutic journey, what's been most cathartic for me is when I share and I get messages back from women that say, oh my gosh, me too, or oh my gosh, I didn't think anybody else really felt that way about it or experienced it, or oh my gosh, that captured exactly how I feel And I haven't posted a whole lot this week, but I've been on the social media interwebs and looking at different things and scrolling. And I have found so many women are being so brave and so bold with their truths, like their, their pain, their heartache, their, um, some of them success stories, some of them not. And there's just been an outpouring of love and compassion and, even for those who who've never gone through infertility or struggled with conceiving, conception, birth, the, the whole nine yards, if they don't have a, a personal um experience with it, they know somebody who does. And that's like part of like the yeah. the we're all connected piece of kind of what what Lean and I both believe in as part of this show is like bringing us together and and talking about hard things and reminding one another that one, we're not alone. We're never alone. And even when someone may not be able to connect in a way where they are like, Oh my gosh, me too. There's still, there's still an empathy and a connectivity that allows for there to be a deeper connection and understanding. And, and we're all in this together. So, yeah, so today I'm going to share a little bit, and we'll see where we where we land. And and yeah.
1: Well, I think that it's really interesting. Cool. I don't know what word to use, but uh, you know, when we talked about recording this, I don't know if you realized it, but I didn't realize that this week was National Infertility Week, and I think that it's just so interesting, right? How that topic ended up coming up, and it's mm-hmm. just. Yeah, what a what an opportunity the universe gives us to to connect in certain ways when we're open to it of like, hey, I think that you should talk about this yes. topic. Uh, so,
0: so funny crazy. funny story is that Leanne and I text each other um before like a recording um morning and we're like, Hey, what do you want to talk about tomorrow? And we've been going back and forth, and I picked topics, she picked topics, and the um text last night was how do you feel about infertility? And yeah. and then of course We'll hopefully we'll see how um, this recording goes because this is a big topic to unpack. And so we may not get through, we may have to break this up into parts and, and when we're not sure, we're going to just let it kind of flow organically. But yep. Leanne had no idea that it was National Infertility Awareness Week. And of course, I know that it is because I'm like overly aware, right? Like it, yeah. this is my world and this is my life. and And so, yeah, the synchronicity. I love that you bring that up, like the full circle mm-hmm. synchronicity of when we are open to the possibilities when we're open to the universe and something bigger than ourselves, things just flow. Mm-hmm. And this like brings me to one of the first parts of my infertility story is I can remember the first time that I started searching for support groups. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's crazy is the support group that I got connected with, they're called hopeful hearts. You can find them on Facebook. They no longer meet in person and they haven't met in person for years, but they were meeting in person when I was looking for them. And I just, there's so much about that part of my story that is so pivotal in me getting to new places of healing and, and growth and acceptance. And um, most of you know, I have a, an eight-year-old son and so my story had a, incredibly miraculous happy ending, but not everybody has that. And while I needed connection, I wanted connection with other women who were experiencing the same thing. I also was almost repulsed. I didn't want to connect with women who were telling me that they couldn't and and hadn't and weren't going to conceive because I didn't want that to be my story either. And so the beautiful thing is, is that just by having like proximity and connection with women whose stories didn't end the way that I wanted mine to end, didn't mean that that was going to be my reality too, right? Like I could, I had the capacity to build relationships with women who I still are friends with on social media. And we... Comment. Some some have adopted children. Some um, have biological children that were conceived through IUI or IVF. Some uh, are living a very different life than what they had anticipated. They're um, living in their truth and and dealing with the pain of never being able to have conceived and and not have it, deciding to not go any other route and and just living. I hate to use the word childless because I I don't. I, emotionally, I can't wrap my head around because I'm not childless. Mm. And so I, I have this uber sensitivity to language around it. And actually somebody posted, I do not have children today, but I am not living a childless life. And it was really like empowering.
1: Yeah. And that's what I was wondering is like, because in my mind, and again, I speak with just real, I'm very, um, I don't I don't have the same experience. Right. So naive, right. I'm going to call it like it is. I'm very naive to this. I have just like you were saying in the beginning of we know somebody it's almost like uh yeah, it's just like, we know somebody with, you know, you might not struggle with depression, but you know, somebody with depression, like it's, that's how we're all connected. So it's the mm-hmm. same where, you know, my, my youngest sister struggles with it. My brother mm-hmm. struggles with it with his wife my aunt and uncle struggled with it. So, so knowing that, but in my mind, when you said childless, I'm like, but there's so many different forms of having a child, right? There truly is. Um, I know a friend of mine who, yeah, she, she does not have children, children of her own, but she has our children. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's how she recognizes it. And yeah. So, and again, it's like, I'm so nervous to speak this because I don't, know and and I do want to put it out there that I'm coming at this it's such a pure mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. of curiosity and wanting to know like how to support because I know I went I was there with you when you were going through the beginning stages of mm-hmm. this and I wasn't sure how to support you either other than just being right yeah. and, and being there and and just yeah. So yeah. so yes I come at it like that. But when you say that like so what does when we say like childless, when, when you looked at that that post and you're like, yeah, right, like what did she mean by that? like I might not have a child, but I'm not childless,
0: yeah, I think like the the word empowering because it's such a disempower like it's such a a thief the the process of going through infertility it's a thief of everything, it's a thief of joy, it steals your perspective it it robs you of all these different things and 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 it robbed you of your power and especially as women so many women and I'll speak for myself personally but like I I didn't realize that part of my definition of being a woman was going to be so connected with being able to have a child um to to be able to to do that thing that only women can do and so when I read that and I was like I, it felt so empowering and it felt right for for her. And I have another friend and this is where it gets really complicated because it's you. And I love your authenticity Leanne. around, like, this is a topic that's just kind of like, I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I want to talk about it, but I want to, right. And, and so being brave enough and courageous enough to enter into the conversation. And this is what I would encourage anybody else out there. Who's kind of like, well, I just won't talk about it because I don't want to like offend anybody or step on any toes or hurt anybody's feelings. But the only way that we learn and, and we are challenged by difficult conversations is by engaging in difficult conversations and, you know, potentially saying something that is, you know, not wrong, but just let's talk about that. Like let's, right. let's, let's put some air around that and explore that a little bit. Cause it could come, we could come to a different way of saying it.
1: Right. Well, and I think like it's very courageous on both ends when I think about it that way, right? Where we are giving each other the opportunity to learn, to to really speak our truths, yeah. right? For you to be able to speak your truth of correcting me or saying, and I don't even know if correction is the right term, but like being able to to come to me and say, well, like that really pissed me off, or that really hurt, or like, yeah, totally, mm-hmm. right, and and giving each other that space to yeah. explore, and that is what deepens relationships, yes. right? When I think about it, so yeah, yeah. just keeping that space open, of because so often, especially nowadays, right, and I think this is shifting a little bit, where yeah, we are offending each other, but at least we're fucking talking about it, right. right?
0: Oh, my gosh. Such a such a beautiful point that is like broad in in a way that we all need to embrace that. And, and I think it comes about with gender stuff and race stuff and um, mental illness stuff and substance use stuff and like all the things where it's kind of like, OK, like. Okay, we're saying the wrong things, but that means that we're hopefully learning what to say instead of not to say. Rather than just keeping our mouth shut, pretending that it doesn't exist, sweeping everything under a rug, and not acknowledging the big fat elephant in the room that's smoking a cigar. But you can smell it. You can smell a cigar, but you are just pretending that it is not there. Like, come right. Like, come on. Yes. Like, let's let's put some. And I I use the phrase like put some air around it because I think that. I come from the recovery world too where the the more that we keep things secret the more that we keep things bottled up and shoved down inside of us the sicker we become like it it just right. festers and it and it doesn't need to. And so that's kind of like the I guess the the preparatory work of um jumping into this is I'll I'll admit I'll probably say some things that might be hurtful to some women who are in different parts of their process. And, and just like, just like, you know, with any other heavy topic, let's just explore this with curiosity and compassion. And those of you who are listening, I send you all of my love and light right now that wherever you are, that A, you hear what you need to hear. B you find some hope in some of my story, but also just in the reality that you're not alone. And C, we can deepen our connections with one another and deepen our relationships by um, having these types of conversations. So we welcome you from wherever you are coming from, um, whatever part of the journey. This is obviously, the topic is infertility. And so trigger warning, if you are somebody who is in the throes of it right now, and you're just like, I don't know that I want to listen to a story that, that, right. Like I can remember not wanting to hear stories of hope. I can remember being like, don't tell me your happy ending when like, I'm going through my fucking nightmare. <laughs> like, yeah. And then there were other parts of my journey where I was like, I needed to hear like, okay, there's hope. Okay. There's, mm-hmm. there's still a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance, <laughs> right? you know, and, and it just depends on where you are emotionally.
1: Right and I remember you know one of the yeah one of the first times I think we just had a, a moment where I I don't know you probably remember this but I, so we were sitting around it was when we were still working at you know the treatment center And I can't remember if I was pregnant, but I know that another person ended up getting pregnant and I saw your face. I saw and I immediately looked at you, right? Because we were in a group Mm -hmm. and everybody's like, oh, you know, the natural like, oh, congratulations. And I just look over and I'm like. Right. And I, and I could yeah. see it all over your face, like the yeah. hurt, the pain, the what the fuck. Right. Yeah. Like, I remember you even saying that, like, what the fuck, like everybody else is fucking getting pregnant. Like, what the hell? Um, yeah. You know, and, and 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 the struggle that you had, that's what I saw of of wanting to be happy for this person, genuinely happy for them. And also struggling with your own infertility at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: Ooh, so that's that's like a beautiful place to kind of just go right into because I remember and I can I I laugh in a way that's just like a not that any of this is funny um because it's not and I'm even like feeling myself tear up a little bit as as I heard you share what your recollection of that time period was because so so the story goes my husband and I try um, we're trying to conceive for probably a year and a half, eighteen months or something. We've consulted with physicians. We know that there's like it shouldn't take this long. And slowly, Leanne gets pregnant, she's pregnant with twins. i'm I'm part of a book club. And one of the other members of our book club, which we read one book just for clarity. I don't want, (laughs) I don't want anybody out there thinking the wrong things about what we, what we do, what we call book club. We, we started out reading one of the other group members. I think we texted her. I called her right before group and I was like, Hey, are you coming? And she was like, no, I have, I have a headache. And. And and like I knew, I knew as soon as she said she wasn't coming and like that she wasn't feeling well, I was like, "You're fucking pregnant." Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Oh my God, Katie, I didn't want to tell you." And I remember sitting. So the first, the first moment I was sitting in the parking lot of Trader Joe's, and I just remember being like, like crying, and they were there were tears of, they were tears of joy. And tears of grief at the exact same time mm-hmm. and i was like how do you navigate those emotions in the same space and they can totally occupy the same space mm-hmm. how do you navigate the depth and the breadth of of those emotions and then you know there were there were other people announcing their pregnancies and it was it was like it was like a punch to the gut every single time i would see and and of course like i would see pregnant women everywhere it was like can they not just fucking stay inside like why are they why do they all have to be out at the same time and and just right the roller coaster of emotion and really struggling with like how do i be happy for people that i genuinely like love and and i'm happy for while i am going through this horrible process of I mean, for those of you who 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 are not familiar with infertility, a lot of there's a lot of acronyms. Um, If you ever go on any type of like message board or reading any comments about anything, um, you'll see a lot of shortened ways, abbreviations of of how to talk about it because it's hard to type out all the all the times of like trying to conceive. So it's TTC, right? Like I'm we're trying to conceive, and I remember like being in the TTC phase, and Every month counting in between my cycles to know when I'm ovulating, like taking my temperature, peeing on sticks to see if I'm like ovulating. Like, all of the like pain. And like it, there was nothing joyful about the process. There was nothing fun <laughs> about like sex in our relationship. My husband and I became a topic and a source of resentment. Mm. I resented him for not understanding my like biological clock. He resented me for forgetting that he was a part of this scenario too, because I was, Mm -hmm. there was one point where, I don't know if he said it or I said it, but it was almost as if I was using him as like a sperm donor. Right. And how like heartbreaking, like, and I was, he didn't, I don't think he used those words, but he was describing that. And then I used those words and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I just got so hyper-focused and fixated on like, this is what I need in order for this outcome to be, this was, it It was a means to an end. And it no longer became, it it was no longer about intimacy. It was no longer about connection. It was no longer about love. It was, I need what you have. And tick tock, my biological clock is ticking. Mm -hmm. Now's the time, ready, set, go. When you're trying to conceive, you have this window And it doesn't seem like it should be this, like, short, like, little of a window that that you can actually conceive where, like, you ovulate and then if there is sperm, a viable sperm available to penetrate to then become an embryo. There's, like... When you like go down to the science, it's like a four hour window or something. It may Holy not it, it may not be like that <laughs> short, but it, it it actually feels like a twenty second window when you're like trying yeah. to conceive. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, we have to do it at the exact at the exact right time to make this happen. And when you look around the world and you see people getting pregnant and the, and like really fertile people, I call them fertile myrtles, <laughs> and I'm just like, they must have sex eighty seven times a day for them to be able to, and I'm just like, who has time for that? Who has the energy for that? Who, like, I can't. So I was feeling like a failure on every single front. Like the, 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 the impact and the enormity of failure. My body wasn't working correctly. My relationship wasn't working correctly. And, and there's lots of reasons why women get to, This point in life, this is part of their journey. Sometimes it is, you know, PCOS, endometriosis. There's lots of different diagnoses that make it difficult for women to conceive. Part of my story was another area of, we'll call it failure for right now, just because I'm going with the theme. It's just another part of my story. It's not really um, a failure. It's just, yeah, it's just another part of the tapestry that is woven together that makes Katie Renee Myers, who she is, and but it was my eating disorder. And I remember sitting in front of a, a fertility specialist and I had, you know, you have to go through the whole story. You have to tell people all the things so that they can hopefully help you find a, a path to where you want to be. And so I'm telling him background stuff and I'm like, struggle with depression and anxiety. And I was on Prozac, but I went off the Prozac because- I didn't want to be on any medications while we're trying to conceive, and my eating disorder is um, mostly under control right now. But like, like there's still cravings and like some binges with sugar, and he was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold the phone," and like I immediately was like, "Oh no," <laughs> again, Aww. like fuck, like sh- the shame, and I remember like not even being able to like look up to meet his eyes, but he was like, "Okay, your eating disorder is." very much a part of your difficulty in conceiving and your depression he said go back on your Prozac the the benefits of it are worth any risk and and there's low risk and so like i was i felt like i'd been hit by another like 18 wheeler in that meeting of just like okay wait a second you mean <laughs> i knew that there were like Impacts of my eating disorder that would have unintended ripple effects. But when I heard like your eating disorder is a part of, as a major contributor to your difficulty in conceiving, I just, I can't even describe it, but I just, I went into this place of shame and blame and guilt and fear, fear that like, I did this to myself and how isolating that was because like the, here here's the other thing is like, I've got all these, I mean, I've got like loving people around me that like genuinely care about me and I them, but like to go and, and people knew I was fairly open. Most people know, like I'm fairly open about my stuff because I do believe in the healing power of sharing and, and not letting it stay inside to make us sicker. Mm-hmm. But there was, there was, no one in that particular moment that I was like, no one else is going to get this. I can't share this with anybody. People are going to give me the sad puppy dog eyes when they hear like the, oh my gosh, or, or it'll be like confusion. Like, wait, what? Right. Like, I don't, I don't understand. And so that the isolation that set in during that time, um, was so profound And, and that's when I started looking for the infertility support group, hopeful hearts and found them and met, I want to, I want to kind of go around the table in my mind of like the women, um, and what their like outcomes were, because they're all so very different. They're all so very different, which is another beautiful part of the story is that it doesn't always have to end the way that we think it's supposed to end, that there's, a, a more beautiful potential unfolding if we allow for it. Mm. And so if I just kind of go around the, the the table that we set up, we went to a coffee shop. I remember ordering a, a drink. I'm sure it was a chai latte because that's what I drink. And not being able to, again, make eye contact with anybody there. And just like needing them, like the, and this is like the dichotomy I spoke of earlier. Like I needed them so badly and I hated them. (laughs) They represented everything that I was afraid of. And so next to me today, she has a little boy. I don't know how they conceived. They might've had treatments. They might've, it might've happened naturally, but she and her husband conceived ending in their miracle baby. They do not have any other children. Next to her, she and her husband had probably five failed IVFs. And I don't know if you guys realize, but IVF is like sometimes the upwards of $20,000 per try and, mm-hmm. and, and the, the hormones that you have to inject and the, the things that you have to do and the medicines and the the timing and everything. It's just, it's a nightmare F- failed IVF over and over and over again. She now has four adopted babies and they're all siblings. So she adopted the first one, learned about the second, adopted then, um, that little one. And then there were two more that came. And so now she has this beautiful, this, I mean, it is beautiful. And she says she's like, This is not what I would have thought to want, but my heart is so full. And, and and adoption's not the route for everybody. Um, that would that would not have been mine and Jonathan's route had we not been able to have Sloan, we had talked about it and and we were like, you really need to have a heart for adoption and that process and what that means for everyone involved. And that just wasn't going to be for us. and And that's okay. That's okay. Nice. The woman next to her, she has two kids naturally able to conceive. She had gone through like, again, 18 or 24 months of not being able to conceive. And now she's got two little ones and her story totally turned out so very different than... Um, everyone else's, um, the woman next to her adopted an embryo. I didn't know this was a thing. So oh. you can adopt. So she met, and I'm going to miss parts of this because it's a quite the story, but basically she met a woman who had a leftover embryo from when she was trying to conceive. And she didn't want the embryo to to not be, to you, like to not come to life, right? Like she, like yeah. there's there's a lot of ethics involved in, in this as well as some people don't believe in in the creating embryo process because it's, you know, creating a life like the, that will not come to be. Like they there's a lot of difficulty and, and I don't know that we're gonna be able to unpack that in this conversation. But she met a woman who had a leftover embryo and the, the woman in our group adopted the embryo. They implanted the embryo into her uterus. She ended up carrying and it was ended up being two embryos because they, they, they implant or they try to insert several because the odds of one sticking are greater, but that's also why people end up with multiples when they go through treatment because sometimes multiple stick. Um, and, and so she ended up carrying twins that did not have her DNA or her husband's DNA. They were an embryo from another couple. And, uh, and now she's like, that's her story. And like, she's got other children from different ways of adoption and IVF. And, um, she has a beautiful family, but she has these two twins that were in her body, but they like, I I just like try to wrap my head around like, what? Like, like, what? And, and it doesn't matter what I think or feel about it because it's her story and it's beautiful. And those children are so, so stinking cute. And the woman next to her did not conceive, did not, uh, to this day, they did, they opted out of adoption or continuing to try. And the woman next to her to this day, she is probably 41 or two and has probably had 10 rounds of IVF and they're just like we're not giving up we're not we're not going to give up until it's just until there are n- no more resources no more opportunities no more options we're not giving up and so i share all of that to say that it it doesn't wherever you are like whatever your story might end up being there's no right or wrong and So we sat around that table and I cried the whole group and everyone just like was so sweet and like lots of pats on the back and like touches on the arm. of just like, yep, we've been there. We know. And I left that group probably the first two or three times just angry, Mm. super duper angry, especially because other people were getting pregnant. Like Like, it was like they were eating lollipops. It was like everyone passed out the lollipop to get pregnant and and I didn't get the lollipop. Like, why? Like, why is it so easy? I remember one woman, she jokingly, and this is where, like, you just have no idea what you say, how the impact is going to land on somebody. But she was like, "Shit, I could look across the room at a man and get pregnant. That's how like easy it was for me." And I'm like, yeah. "Congratulations! Like you're you are incredible. I'm so fucking happy for you." Um, and that's where like all the again conflicting feelings would bubble up, and I would just hate. I just hated. I just hated it. And there's no other way. Like I just hated all of it. Mm-hmm. So, our our beautiful miraculous story goes a little like this. We were in the office, the doctor's office, and they had just done an ultrasound and told me that I had half of the normal amount of follicles that a woman my age, I was 30, I had half the amount that I was supposed to have, or like a normal woman my age would have. And so the ultrasound tech basically said, so right out the gate, you're operating at like 50%. And so I'm like, okay, great. So We go through all the different conversations. I don't remember a whole lot because you don't remember a whole lot. Like, so are you like hyper-focused on one thing that's said and then you forget everything else. But the end of that conversation was our doctor saying, okay, you guys are going on vacation. You need to have, you need to, um, you, we need to wait for your next cycle to come. And it's a day one of your next cycle. You need to call us. We'll schedule you to come in. We'll we'll teach you how to do the injections. We're gonna do IUI, intrauterine intervention, (laughs) intrauterine intervention, and and so that's where they basically turkey based. So like they wait until you are ovulating. They wait until that exact moment, and then they take your partner's or where whoever sperm. They they wash it. They clean it. They like you know get it all like pristine and ready for action, and then they. Turkey base, they inseminate like they insert that into you, so that the hopefully the sperm will meet the egg, and it'll happen with some assistance, but not not having to go the IVF in vitro fertilization route. And so I was like, okay, like I was totally geared up, and this was the first time, and I I've written about this before, but it was the first time that I was like, all right, period, come on, I was ready. Like, I wanted I wanted my cycle to come because when you're trying to conceive. That's the last thing you want to see.
1: Yeah.
0: Is your cycle psych- is is that time that comes in it because it's just such a again, like punch to the gut of like, nope, not pregnant. Nope, mm-hmm. not this time. Nope. You gotta wait another month. Nope. Right? Like it's just like in your face. Yeah. Um, yep. and on top of that, like your period sucks. At least mine does, did, does, um, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> and so we we go on vacay. And we get back and I'm like, cause I know my body. I'm like, I know (laughs) I can set a watch by my cycles. Like I know when and what and where and how and why and, and all of it. Cause I've been obsessed with it. Logging things, tracking things, measuring things, all the things. And my period didn't come. And I was like, Like great, now we're broken there too. Like now we're gonna like, are you kidding me? Like we're finally getting ready to have a solution, and nothing, and wait a day. I'm like three or four days late, and I'm like I'm buying a pregnancy test. Like I'm doing it, and Jonathan was like, "Don't do it, don't do it. Like that never, don't do it. Just wait, it'll come. Like your period will come because it always comes." and it never came because we had gotten pregnant while on vacation and well-meaning again very well meaning well-intentioned people are like see all you needed was to relax a little and then you could get pregnant it was like like the one thing that you don't and here's a pretty um standard thing to know if you're listening and you're and you're not part of this world it is Probably 100% never going to go well for you to tell a trying to conceive woman to just relax.
1: I'm like smiling because I remember you and you were, um, you said this out loud. Uh, you were getting ready to go on vacation. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so great. Like, this is coming at a great time for you guys to just like go away and relax and blah, blah, blah. And she was just like, and I don't need anybody. You're like, I don't need anybody to tell me to just fucking relax. And I'm going to get pregnant while I'm on vacation. I don't need to hear that shit. And I was like, well, no taken, because I was just about to say that. So (laughs) thank
0: you for the warning.
1: The other part of like, oh, I was just like, good. you guys can go and relax. And I was just like, left it
0: there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You, we just don't know like what's, how it's going to land on somebody. And it, and it, it, did like it landed on me so much like people would have again well-intentioned well-meaning people who I do think and know and believe care about me would say things like you better hurry up you're not getting any younger gosh just relax just get out of your head and just enjoy the process to which would is such an obvious thing for somebody to say who has never been a part of this because there is no right. enjoying the process it's the most excruciating process ever and And, and so, yeah, just dealing with those comments. And, and then I remember there was a physician at our facility that we worked at that was like, you know, see, you just needed to da, da, da. And I remember just being like, you're like, you're a physician, like Mm -hmm. you should know better than, than to say some of these things, but it just, it comes out of, it comes out of people's mouths. It, It, the the comment of you should really get going like you're not getting any younger and i was like oh 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 my gosh thank you so much for letting me know i wasn't aware that like i'm aging by the day and that i'm right like my chances of natural conception are are, are dwindling by the hour like every hour that goes by is just decreasing my odds and so i had to have a lot of grace and a lot of patience um with folks and i had to just Remove myself at times and cry it out, mm-hmm. right? And just like allow myself to be with the emotion. And oh my my sister-in-law got pregnant. Was pregnant around the time that we were trying, and um, she actually named. She doesn't know this. If she listens to this, this will be the first time she probably hears it. Jonathan comes in to tell me that Sarah's pregnant, and and of course like I'm just like oh my gosh, that's it. I think that's incredible. And then like the emotion right after that is like. And then um, when they had my niece, when they had the baby, they named her Piper and Piper was on our short list. And I was like, okay, Mm. okay, okay, Mm. this is going to be okay. But it was just such a, right? Like she couldn't have stopped or changed anything about that that would have made it any, but it was just. So painful. Yeah.
1: Hello, amazing women. I am Leanne Jameson, the founder of Essentially Zen Fall. We work with highly determined, influential, visionary women who feel like they have lost their spark. They might feel stuck and stagnant. These are women who have very big visions very big dreams, and they need the guidance and the support to make this dream happen. You know, we help them reclaim their spark even bigger and brighter and stronger by giving them the roadmap and the support to embrace their personal power. We create unshakable confidence, and you will become something bigger and part of something bigger. You will live your life with intention, clarity, purpose, passion, and inspiration. Let us help you find your way back to yourself and into something so much bigger and so much more expansive into your big life dream and your vision through the Next Level Life Purpose Coaching Program to hear more about this program, reach out to me. I am easily accessible. I love talking to everybody. You can email me at essentiallyzentful at gmail.com. You can go to my web website at easyliving.space. That's the letter E, the letter Z, and then living.space. I cannot wait to connect with you. Sending so much light and love.
0: So we, um, Got pregnant on our vacation. A friend of mine said that we should name the baby Carlos or something because we got pregnant in Mexico and, or some type of, I think she said Javier or Carlos should be the name. And we, our little boy is Sloan and he is eight years old. And he now, we now get the adventure of answering the question of why don't I have a little brother or a little Mm. sister or when? When will I get a little brother or a little sister? And I'm in a much better slash different place than I was the first go around, obviously for obvious reasons. But I keep just telling him like that's between that's between God and and my body, right? Like I I don't I don't get a say if you're gonna be a big brother someday. I said, I, I hope that for you. And, and we have come to the place where we are just, um, really embracing a, a, our family of three. That's hard because like, I, I never envisioned just having a, a single kiddo, like a singleton. It was all, I, I have an older brother. Like I, I want Sloan to have a sibling. I want him to experience that. And, and that will not be our story. And, and so coming to terms with, there's, there are different terms out there and I've been, I actually, when doing some of my research this morning, realized that I don't know what category I fall into because while we struggled with infertility, I mean, it took us over two years to conceive. They say that secondary infertility is when you have trouble conceiving only if the first time that you conceive was without difficulty. And so we conceived naturally, but it was with a lot of different, like, I don't know where I, so now I'm just kind of like, do I have secondary infertility? What do I call this? What? So it, I don't know what that it matters what we call it. We tried for a second and went through um, the IUI process with a doctor. And I really thought I was pregnant. I really, I mean, I remember, I remember where I was at. My job and somebody asking me because I had told my team, leadership team at the time, "Hey, I'm taking, um, I'm leaving early and I'm taking a day off because just in case like there's cramping or whatever," and and then you know two weeks passed and one of my teammates was like, "Hey, how you feeling?" And I knew what they were asking, and I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> I was like, "TMI. Are you ready? My boobs hurt. I'm bloated. Um, everything aches." I think I'm pregnant Yeah, and we weren't. So there was, you know, just one of the blessings and curses of sharing my story is that then people ask <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and that I just have to like that. I have acceptance around that, that, that people are going to ask questions. And, and rightfully so, but that means that, right? Like when you don't want to talk they're going to ask questions. <laughs> They're going to freaking ask questions. And it, it rarely is a good time. It's rarely um, like when you're anticipating, like when you're ready for the pain to wash over you, like when are you ever ready for that? But it is it is a blessing and a curse because I, I I didn't go through any of that alone, even though it felt so very isolating and I felt alone. Other women came forward and said, we really struggled too. Our, our kiddo is a miracle baby too, or if if you've experienced loss so if there's been pregnancy and then miscarriage or a loss of the pregnancy you know we call those babies rainbow babies they're the you know the rainbow at the light at the end of the tunnel the, the rainbow at the, after the storm of the miracle that there was grief and loss and then there was redemption or, or a miracle and Um, So I know a lot of women who have rainbow babies and miracle babies. And I think if if we kind of bring it back around somewhat to the fact that this is infertility awareness week, I would just encourage folks. So I have different messages for different people. To those of you who like to, point out the obvious about people's age and all the risks of having pregnancy when you're over the age of 35, or I think somebody called it being a geriatric mother. I know that there are again, really genuine places that, that that can come from. Um, but you might just keep it to yourself, right? (laughs) Like you might just, no one needs to know that that's what you're thinking.
1: Right. Well, and I wonder, and this is, I don't know, uh, so many things, so many things going through my mind and I know that we have to wrap it up, but being able to, so on one end, you know, I work with solely with women and I see like the fear of like when they hit their 30 mark and, and go like, oh my gosh, like time is, time is, you know, of essence and this and that. And I'm like, and for me, I'm just like, like Mm -hmm. who says who puts that timeline and stuff like that so there's this there's really a conflict within me listening to you where it's I want them to get rid of that timeline but then also when you look at doctors and you look at all the all the things it's like nope you are on a timeline but but again it's like so what does that do to your to your mental stability what does that do so I've been through that with Mm -hmm. people of like Trying to get them to release some of those societal, right. you know, pressures and stuff like that. I'm like, do you even want to have a kid right now? Right. Some of them are like, yes. Yeah. Some of them are like, no. I'm like, so hold up. Like, <laughs> let's, let's let's unpack this a little bit. Yeah. Um. So there's that um that aspect of it, but as you're talking too, I am so curious as to what support there is for males that go through this with their wives. <gasps> So and, good. Yeah. Like what Jonathan experienced through this. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, so yeah, I guess those are my two.
0: Oh, so good. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it both because yeah, there's a whole, there's, there's so much to be said about men who so often women will either assume or, or others will assume that the issue with infertility lies with the woman. And there is. There are two two parts that, that have to be working together in tandem. And there's causes of male infertility where they are low sperm count, low sperm quality, all kinds of all, all kinds of things that happen on the male side. And but then also, is there the same amount of support? Are there like support groups for men? No, right. there are not.
1: Well- or even, you know, if, if it is like, so on their side or on the fem you know, on their partner side, cause that's a lot, that's a lot of weight for two people to
0: be carrying. Right. Sure. So,
1: so yeah. Oh, that makes me so sad. Okay.
0: I know when well, I can remember, uh, you know, whether it's societal, cultural, gender norm, like whatever that, and it doesn't even need to be like gender norms, but I do think with like, with my husband, he, he had shared with me of just like how demoralizing Mm -hmm. it was for him to be experiencing what we were experiencing. And for the longest time, I couldn't, I couldn't see that. I couldn't see that he, it was just like, I don't know. There was just the assumption that it was like, it was my fault. It was my fault. I'm to blame. I'm the cause. I'm the failure. and. And it turns out in our story that we we both come to the table with not like a perfect record, <laughs> right? Like we we both have some things, which I think is important to acknowledge that it's not always just the female. And, and then where does the support come from um, for the partner? Because whether you're in a heterosexual or same-sex relationship, the partner of the person watching the, the person trying to conceive – And not being able to do anything to change anything. Like there's, there's literally nothing they can say, nothing they can do to to change it or make it better. And so how do you, how do you, and a lot of relationships deteriorate during this process Mm -hmm. for good reason. Like Mm -hmm. to, to say that Jonathan, and I struggled in our marriage as a result of, of this part of our journey is an understatement. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were parts where I can, Oh gosh. So not to get up too far off on a tangent, but I can remember there was a night where I went to him and I sat down on the couch next to him and I said, I looked him in the eye and I said, I need you to know that if you want children and you cannot have them with me, I release you. I want you to have, you're going to be such a great dad. I want you to have that. And if it's not with me, like go, go and have the family that like you, and, and so much of it, I was projecting onto him because after I said everything, he was like, you're such an idiot. (laughs) Like we're both crying. (laughs) He's like, you're such an idiot. I don't, I don't want kids more than I want you. I don't want, right. I don't want this other like life more than I want you like it's you, and it was just such a like shout out to my husband, but all the partners who support the crazy, the craziness that comes out in my. I I I was a little crazy, so I'm just speaking for myself. I was a little crazy. It was that night that I remember we both were like crying on the couch, and we were like okay, we can do this. We're just going to be the best damn aunt and uncle that ever was. Like we're just going to spoil all of our nieces and nephews because like we'll have the time and the money to do it. And we'll just be like all those, all the things that we, we were kind of resigning ourselves to never having that um, miracle come to be. And we made it through. um, Thank God. And, we're stronger as a result of all the different like ups and downs and bumps in the road. But there's absolutely that element. So I'm I'm glad that you brought that up. The other thing that you brought up was, what was the other thing? Oh, uh, working through um, the limiting beliefs and when <laughs> thinking that when you turn 30, that all of a sudden everything is downhill. Um, yeah. And like letting go of that and really just embracing like what can be. I know more moms today that are having kids in their mid to late thirties. Oh yeah, and and so much of it is by choice. So much of it yeah. is is I I I've not been ready to like this Why? is a really this is a really big deal, and like I'm still growing up, and and so whether it's been by choice or by circumstance or by um, difficulty, more and more women, and I know there are statistics out there. There's research, medical data blah, 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 that talks about the higher incidence of Down syndrome in, you know, kids um, conceived by mothers after the age of 35. And and there are things that to be quote unquote aware of. I'm with you on the end of helping women move through some of those societal expectations that say, you know, (laughs) right now, like if Jonathan and I got pregnant today, I'm 39. If we got pregnant today, I would be over the moon. And we would yeah. like, we, there There wouldn't be a thought in my mind about like, I'm going to be an old mom. Like that would not wow. even cross my mind. And I have friends who are about to have a grandbaby. Like they have a ni- 19 or 20 year old kid. So they had, they got pregnant super young too. Everyone's story is different, but they're, right. they're 19 or 20 year old child is now pregnant and they're going to be a grandparent. And so I think about these like yeah. parallel processes of like I would I would love to be a mom of a newborn and sign up for all the sleepless nights and and then a a, a friend from high school like she's going to be a grandma in a couple months. Right. Like mind blown. And and how beautiful that is though because there's no right or wrong way. There's right. no what's right for you is is right right there's no we talked about like what steals joy and like this process stealing everything of, that resembles joy but like comparison being the thief of joy as well mm-hmm. when i compare my my maternal my my um birth journey my my story with anybody else's story i will always feel less than and my joy will be robbed because I I'm I'm comparing and contrasting with something that frankly is completely irrelevant to my story. Mm. And so, yeah, the work that you do with women around breaking free from those limiting thoughts of like, I've got to do it by the time. Like, it's like, I got to do it now, or or I'm going to be too old or I'm going to be like, "Mm, I don't buy that. And we need more communities and circles and, and individuals who embrace what you just said about like, I don't know, like, let's, let's look at that with some curiosity. And like, it, it doesn't, this doesn't have to be the end all be all because you turned 30 or because you turn 35 or because you turn 40. Exactly. I was just thinking
1: about a mom who who had, I mean, she got pregnant at 40 and she, I mean, the fear was there that all the stuff, you know, the doctors and, and everything put that fear also mm. in her, mm-hmm. which again, thankfully, yes, things to be aware of. And, and. right, she's got a beautiful baby girl. Yeah. She's absolutely gorgeous, yeah. right? Um, so yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: we have to stay open. We have to stay open yeah. to um all the things and and the The twists and turns, the plot twists in in your journey don't necessarily mean the end of anything. It's just a different phase or a different part or different chapter of the story. And yeah, so I know another um, friend of mine posted on Facebook um, that this marks the 10-year anniversary of her and her husband. Um, They were going to go through um, a surrogate. And they had three embryos, and those are her babies. And yeah. she she'll be a dog mom. And she is, uh, she's birthed a lot of different projects and things that she's really passionate about. And she has she's an author, so she's brought to life in in story and written form. You know, she's birthed these books and. Um, these different ways of, of also connecting and reaching out to women who struggle with infertility and my heart, my heart will never understand. And this is, I had some like harsh words with God, but God's big enough for my harsh words. So it was okay. Mm-hmm. And I basically was just like, what why, why? Why is it like this This woman I'm speaking of, she'd be, a, she's a fit. She's a fantastic, like she's got this like motherly instinct. She, she would be a fantastic mom. Why? And so if you're also angry with God or having those conversations with God, that's cool too, because God's big enough to handle all of that. And, and also the story's not over. And yeah, I'm not really sure how to wrap up. A topic this big but right
1: right and and what song came to me the rest is still unwritten right mm-hmm. is, is yes that right it's you're so, so many different stories so many different um experiences outcomes and to really know right like the the courage that mm. you step forward in the courage that your friends step forward in in writing and the, cur- you know, the courage that we all have in, in speaking our truth and connecting mm. and knowing that we're not alone. Yeah. So I think that's where we, yeah. right. That's where we allow ourselves to be in the presence of each other mm. in the vulnerability. Um, and I just want to thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience mm. and, I know that it is going to impact others the way that it's meant to. So I I think it's just a huge thank you to you. A huge thank you to all of our listeners.
0: Mm. Yeah. Let me just real quick. I'll say like that. Thank you, Leanne, for giving the space, creating the space. And I'll say the space for the last 12 years, 10, 11, 12 years, because you held space for me when when I was going through the first parts of, of this journey, you held space for me when shit I was pregnant and you had your boys and I can, I have a picture of me holding your boys with my pregnant belly and like you held space for me every step of the way and to hold that space for me again today at this point in the journey, it just, it means so much. It means, it means the world to me to have you in my corner Always, always, um, in all the ways. And so I love you and thank you for letting me spend the time today. I don't know when this episode will air. Like we mentioned in the beginning where we are recording during infertility awareness week. And, um, there are a lot of people out there who need, they just need somebody to hold space for them. They don't need, Comments or judgments or guidance or opinions—they just need someone. Everyone needs a Leanne in their life, oh. just to hold space. And thank you. yeah, so thank you for letting me share.
1: Oh my gosh, absolutely! So now that we're both crying, I know.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. Just. Just thank you. Thank you all for being with us during this episode, and holding the space for both of us and holding the space for yourself to, to listen. This is another episode of just, you know, the importance of vulnerability connectedness and um, hope Mm
0: -hmm. as
1: well as love and all the feels, right. You mentioned anger, frustration, all of it, Uh, whatever process that you're in, allow yourself to be in. We would love to hear from you. Katie can hold that space for you just as I held it for her and Mm -hmm. she is here for you um, yeah. when if you're ready yeah and, um just knowing that there is there is hope and there are places and spaces to be in mm. and fully accepted so sending so much light and love to all of you amazing people out there listening and
0: That's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is always an honor and privilege to be on this journey with you. Stay curious, connected, compassionate, and courageous. If you're looking for different ways to connect with the work that we both do, please check out our sites, Easyliving.space. that's E-Z-living, L-I-V-I-N-G, dot Space or release with Katie. Release like letting go with Katie, K-A-T-I-E.com for more information. As always, love and light from us to you.